Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new edition of Flyers Daily for Monday, February 7th. Flyers be back in two days' time, Wednesday night against the Detroit Red Wings at Wells Fargo Center before heading to Detroit on Saturday. Back-to-back road games, Detroit and Pittsburgh, then four home games to round out the month, four home games to start out the month of March, and an eight-game franchise-high homestand on the horizon But first, it'll be Detroit coming up on Wednesday. Now, every Monday throughout the season, we have our weekly visit with the man you read on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. All around good guy. It is Bill Meltzer joining us. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You know, I I was talking about this on an episode the other day saying this season has felt very difficult to get into a rhythm for a litany of reasons. First, the obvious that it's kind of been stop, start, stop, start, players out with COVID, team shut down. And it's not just the Flyers. You know this. You're, you're like me. You're an NHL fan. You're a hockey fan. So it's been disjointed in that regard. And then also you couple that with the extended Christmas break, a 10-game losing streak, and then a 13-game winless skid. All of those things. And it's felt, it's felt difficult to get into a rhythm. So I appreciated where this little break was, the All-Star break. Because it was back-to-back wins leading us in, and we got to savor it for a bit. Yeah, that was that that was nice. You know, you, you want you want to go in with with a good feeling, and uh, what I, you know may not change the big picture, but it but it definitely in the in the short term was nice. And uh, you know, got got to enjoy the All Star break a little bit more. Phantoms had a couple games, so it was it wasn't lack of hockey. The Olympics are underway, so we were able to watch some other games, and and uh, you know kind of recharge the batteries and get ready to go again. Yeah, I know the players notion and coaches notion is always, hey, if we're winning games and we're playing well, we just want to play, play, play. Get as many games as you can before, you know, your your really good confidence and all that runs out. But I think everybody just kind of needed a break there as well. The one guy who didn't get it though, Bill, is the captain Claude Giroux. So much conversation surrounding Giroux uh, as a guy on an expiring deal and we know what Chuck Fletcher said in his media availability that it's ultimately going to be up to Claude on what he decides to do. But let's let's talk about first when it comes to Drew, the All Star Game, the skills competition. He had a nice showing in the Fountain, whatever the heck it was called. Uh, but in the actual game, three goals and assists, some spectacular play, uh, some great setups, and he earned that MVP honor. Oh, he sure did. He sure did. And you know, I mean, listen, it's a show for the fans. It's not about. You know, not about anything other, but I mean, one one thing with the three on three format is that there's at least a little bit of, you know, there, there's three separate games involved. So if one's a little out of hand, there's another one coming up after it. You know, those those both sides are are trying to win. I mean, you know, three on three, it's about scoring, and it's not, not even like an NHL overtime, but it but it's a chance to show off skills. They, you know, they they compete just enough. You know, it, it's uh. I don't know. I mean, it, it's really you got you got to take it about what it, you know what it's for. But I mean, you know, Giroux Giroux made some pretty nice skill plays. Those were those were fun to watch. And you know, while winning a winning an All Star Game MVP is you know just a little nice feather in his cap. Just had one more thing that he's done. You know, seven All Star Games has won an MVP. And, you know, it, it's always nice from a Flyers point of view if, if your representative or representatives in an All Star Game do well. He's the Third flyer to win the MVP. It was a couple of years ago that Wayne Simmons won it, and back in 1980 that Reggie Leach won it. So you know it's uh, you know it's just, just it was just just a nice fun thing to watch. Again, reminded you that uh, reminded you what kind of hands he has. I, I actually I think 
Well, the first goal, the first goal he scored was sick, and then oh. the uh, the pass again. So that saucer pass was. Mm-hmm. Good. So you know, I mean, if, if you like watching skilled players make skilled plays, I mean, that's really what, you know, that's really what that kind of format is about. So it was it, it was fun and happy for Claude, especially because his son got to be there, and that's a that's a pretty cool experience for really for anybody. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I talked to him about it before the last game before they left and said, it's going to, you know, you've been to six all-star games already. This one's going to be different because you're going to have your little guy in tow. And you could tell he just kind of lit up talking about that. And, you know, the first goal that he scores, you're right. The one he gets on Gibson where he just that power move and cuts it to his forehand for that right-hand shot to just wrap it around him. But then the other one I thought was really impressive was the backhand shelf that he went after. He kind of knocks the puck down and then goes backhand shelf. That's a, that's a really skilled play. Yeah, that was, that was a like a bang bang kind of timing play. That was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was that was a sweet finish, and he's in, in tight too. So he had to he had to elevate it with no with no yeah. margin for to get to get it up there. That was a you know that was that was a real real nice play. I mean I mean really every one of the other one, you know the other one um, he got open in the slot and he got a little bit of help because it went off McCarr's stick. Yeah, but you know, but it's you know it's all good. Yeah, McCarr's trying to recruit him. He's tipping his pucks by his goaltender in the All-Star game. Uh, the other one, the other part of it, too, was the nuance on his first goal. He's, his right arm, he swings it back to get the defender's stick away from his. There's a little nuance in there. That kind of reminded me of that goal he had against Tampa Bay where he went through five guys, and he lifted yeah. his stick mid, you know, full speed. Yeah. It's just, it's absurd. You know, the funny thing, Bill, is I talked about this on yesterday's episode. I went back and I looked up, you know, some of Giroux's pre-draft scouting reports. And, you know, he wasn't projected to be a first-round guy initially. I mean, it was in the mid-30s, you know, second round, beginning of the second round. And then you look back and, you know, I, I want to read this to you because this is from the Hockey News. And this is, I mean, this is way back, 2006 or 2007. It says his assets are, his. he has electric moves, outstanding offensive creativity and smarts, as well as plenty of finishing skills, is at his best with the puck on a stick, has amazing hands, which he uses to lay soft passes on linemate sticks, can play both center and wing, dominates on special teams. That's the assets. The flaws were doesn't shoot the puck instinctively, so he tends to pass up quality scoring chances from time to time. Lacks ideal size to win corner battles at the highest level, but is extremely courageous and resilient, and physical play doesn't bother him. Will turn the puck over since he has it so often. His career potential, elite playmaker with game-changing acumen. I don't know who wrote that, but they nailed it because all the years later, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is, right? No, for sure, sh- for sure. That that's to a T. You know, sometimes you go back and look at old scouting reports before the draft. You're like, you know, what player are they watching? Yeah. Right? Like, like the one with Yager who said he was uh, fundamentally sound but doesn't do anything dazzling. Yeah, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. He's Maybe still dazzling really- at fifty. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. He's still doing it at fifty. It, it's you know so. Sometimes you read those and they don't age very well at all, but that's uh, yeah, that one absolutely hits it on the head. And you know, it's funny going back to going back to that uh, 2006 draft. Other than you know, other than Clarkie not remembering his name, yeah. But uh, and I mean, you know, I mean, really, Homer made the pick because Clarkie was a delegator at the draft anyway, so Homer really kind of ran the draft. But um, but beyond that, you know. Uh, it's always it's always fun going back and the, the late Jay Greenberg when he did Flyers at fifty was mm-hmm. talking to various Flyer scouts for each draft within the book and you know where did you have guys ranked you know who who was where and of course Giroux and and Simone Gagne both went twenty second 
in, in the respective draft classes. But in uh, they were Flyers were concerned about uh, about Giroux because at the time he weighed 158 pounds. Yeah. Uh, well, can he can he take the pounding as a pro? He's so small, you know. And they they just decided, you know, hey, sometimes sometimes you if they if there's that talent there, you just have to take the swing for the fences. Sometimes that time they hit a home run, you know. Yeah, um, the the funny thing is with the, with the Gagne draft, um, he went 22nd, but the Flyers had him in their top six, and Giroux they had lower, they had about 10 spots lower, but he was still there at 22nd. So that. Uh, just it's just funny how it works out sometimes. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, that draft is interesting because that first round, I mean, there's some guy, some real big time players in that first round that are still playing and getting it done. Jordan Stahl, Jonathan Taves. We know he's dealt with, you know, he missed last year. Uh, Backstrom, Nick Backstrom, Phil Kessel, Derek Broussard with the Flyers. Uh, you look at guys in that draft like Jonathan Bernier, now with the uh, New Jersey Devils, was taken in that draft. 11th overall by the Kings. You look at Grabner still around, right? Chris Stewart now in player development, but with the Flyers, obviously Giroux. And then you look at, you know, Nick Foligno in that first round as well. It was a pretty good draft, you know, for not being the most heralded and not having that guy at the top. I mean, Eric Johnson was the number one overall pick. He yeah. went to the Blues, but that's amazing. Some it's interesting yeah. names there. It's, it's And it's fun if you did do a redraft as to who would go where. Obviously, you know, obviously Giroux wouldn't be there at 22nd, anywhere near it. Yeah, but uh, you know, after I mean, I, and Eric Johnson wouldn't go first, you know. But uh, when you look at the respective careers guys have had, you know, and I mean, I guess I guess there's some bias here. But if you if you you know, I mean, Kessel scored a ton of goals. He's right on uh, he's right on Yandel's heels for all time, you know, consecutive games play. But mm-hmm. I would take Drew's career over over Kessel's career, for example. Yeah, you know. It's just, uh, it just, it just opens up. You know, it's fun to discuss, fun to debate, and uh, I'm still kind of amazed at that uh, that scouting report because that, that one just, just absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I was stunned when I went back and read it. I'm like, oh my goodness, is this like a time capsule that was just captured perfectly through a clear lens? Uh, uh, so Drew, now, Bill, we know part of the equation now is it's in his hands. And I was texting with somebody earlier today. And we're kind of asking and we're going back and forth about what a potential return could look like. But I think there's a lot of scenarios here too how a return could be affected. Number one, how many teams is he willing to put into the mix? The more the, the more competition you can kind of stir up as the general manager. Number two is Flyers, I assume, would like to eat half of it. And then they could also take on $4 million in salary from a team if that's uh, kind of the way it needs to work. Like if you're dealing with a Colorado is up against it a little bit. They, right. So basically, you're just swapping. You're taking their four million dollar player, and you're and they're acquiring a four million dollar Giroux, which isn't even that because of pro rate. But and so I mean, all those things, more teams involved, more money you're going to eat, take on a contract, all up the return. How significant can the return get, though? Well, you know, if you look back a couple of years ago, where Ottawa traded Pajot to the Islanders. And he was on, and he was potentially unrestricted at the time. They got a first, second, and third round pick for him. Wow! I really like to see the Flyers get a young NHL-ready player because the the first round pick, although you can combine, you know, you can combine a first round pick with another, you know, with your own assets and move up or, or get something from it. So it could be a, you know, it could be a set of moves that doesn't have to all be at the same time. Like if you go back to the Peter Forsberg trade. And, you know, the Flyers got the first round pick from Nashville, then flipped it back to Nashville, and they got the rights to Hartnell teaming it out of that. 
So even though, you know, even though the trade reads as a first round pick and Upshaw and, and Ryan Parent, it was really those, you know, it was really all those components involved. So it doesn't have to be, you know, there might be another piece to it uh, during the off season. Um, if a, if a team has, and I haven't looked as, as to what contenders might have somebody else's first round pick, uh, that'd be more of the lottery range. Cause I, I, I think, I think for Giroux, I, I wouldn't want to pick in the twenties or the late first round or something. I, I want to get something NHL ready with some ups who has some upside plus assets on top of that. I think that's a, that'd be a, a fair return. Um, and if I had to trade one for the other, I'd rather have the young NHL ready player who has some upside than, than rolling the dice on a pick in the late twenties. So, um, but I mean, I think you, you can get it. You can get a nice piece in return and probably player and picks, or as you said, if you're, you're taking on a little bit of contract too, hopefully an expiring contract. So it doesn't, doesn't tie you up this off season or really somebody that fills a need for, you know, on a more than a short term basis. There, there's a number of ways you can take it. There, we, sometimes you can get a third team involved yeah, in the that's trade. The other part. Yep. And so that, you know, there's a, any number of ways they could take it. Um, really, you know, as you said, the balls in, in Claude Giroux's court, you know, does he, uh, does he does he want to wave? I, I I would imagine that unless his intention is to re-sign here, he would wave. So. Yeah. Would you, would you look at a player in return that has some term? A guy like if you're dealing with Colorado, just to play this out even further, a guy like Sam Gerrard. Yeah, I mean, I I, I my question that five mil. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that certainly is a name of interest. I mean, the name the name I always keep going back to is Newhook. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, to me it's like, well, to me, to me, to me, this is the, the selling point on this. Listen, you only get so many kicks, kicks at the can of the Stanley Cup. If you want to maximize your chance right now with this group, well, you know, guys are healthy, you know, and you have you have a group that potentially could win it. There's no guarantee in any future season, as we've seen teams that think they're going to be contenders, and you know, something happens. So it's going to, you know, you're going to have to give some. To me, you got to. Give something to get something, and I, I would almost forego other picks and assets. That that's a player who I think could be an impact player in the league in the relatively near future. And then no, I don't think Colorado wants, Colorado wants to trade him. By the same token, hey, like uh, you know, if that's what the deal is tied into, and you're not trading numerous assets on top of that, you know, if, that, if that's what your ask is, I think you have to stick to your guns on it. And yeah. Gerard's another, obviously, you know, another good name in you know in, in a in a trade discussion, but I mean, new hook was the guy every time Edmonton, every time, rather every, every time Colorado comes up, I think that, that that's the guy I would like to see the flyers ask for, whether they could get him or not. I don't know, but that that's, you know, that's where I'd be focused. Yeah. I, look, you're going to have to give me something because I'm not sending you Max Willman. Right. <laughs> I'm sending a guy that with tremendous versatility, a center, a winger, a penalty killer, a power play player, a guy that's got a, a lot of success in this league is answers the bell. I'm sending you something here that, I mean, it's rare that you see a player of Drew's stature get to this situation. Yeah. You know, you know, one of the other things, Bill, that I've seen people kind of, you know, kind of make the conjecture about is, well, he should waive his no trade clause, go chase a cup, and then he'll come back here in the offseason. And, you know, I, I look at that and I go, you know, a lot of times when guys move on, when they've been in a place a really long time, they don't go back. I remember Keith Kachuk did, right? He went back from St. Yeah. Louis to Atlanta, I want to say in 06 or 07. And then went right back and signed a couple year deal with the blues. There's some other guys that have done it. 
but generally it doesn't happen with, you know, guys that have been in the league a really long time. It's, it's a rarity uh, as it, because I think that you get that fresh start and you go, okay, I'm not, I don't have all of the 13 years or whatever it is of baggage there. I'm just a hockey player here. And at this point in my life, family and everything, I'd like to just be a hockey player, go to the rink, play hockey. And those younger guys can handle all the heavy lifting of dealing with the media and all that other stuff. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, I, I think it would be unlikely that he would resign here. I agree. If if he was going to resign here, I think they would sign an extension. I really yeah, do. I do too. I think that that would be, you know, and coming into the year, I really thought that if the team had a good season, that's where it was going to end up anyway. They would have come to a term and a, you know, and a cap hit. But now, you know, I mean, the, you know, in, in the, at least in the near term, there's a lot of uncertainty about where the Flyers are going to be. Even, you know, if they have a good off season on paper, well, does it, does it come together? Where, where is the team, you know, where's the team at? And Giroux, you know, if, if he signs an extension would be probably for the rest of his career. So you're paying him for it. You're not, uh, yep. you know, he might give you a little bit of a hometown discount, but not much of one. No. And uh, you know, and if he's potentially giving up a, a chance at a Stanley cup, potentially, right. It, it maybe not, you know, I don't think most of us see the Flyers as a contender next year, but you never know a couple of years down the line as the what might click or where you might be, but, or you might be, you know, you might be kind of middle of the pack or, or, you know, wherever. So there's risk that's involved. So I, I would think that if he was going to stay here, it would happen before the trade deadline. I don't see him going somewhere else and then coming back. So. Would you, we think that deal would look like if he did extend it though, to play that out four years, 4.8, five, and you know the year one, two, and three are really most of the cash. And then if you have to, you know, if he's at the end and can't keep going at thirty-eight, then you can send that contract to somebody like Arizona, and it's not a lot of cash, but they take the cap hit off your hands. I mean, potentially, yeah. You'd have to front load it in a way that the money is the same up front. Yeah, or very close to. And then, then if it back dives towards the end, and of course the. The NHL, one thing they did do is they severely cut back on the amount of backdive you can do yeah. on a contract. So, so you can't do it. You're playing the minimum for, you know, you had two years of the minimum and then it brings the cap way down. You can't do that anymore. So I don't know. I mean, but I do think it'll be something like that. And you, I think you can reduce it by as much as 50% from, from one year to the yeah, next. So you could stay in eight, the eight range in year one and year two, right. then go to go to a, a, a six and then a three. And you're something probably there, you know. Yeah. Something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I think if he if he decides, I want to stay here, I want to finish my career here, you know, I think uh, I think Chuck Fletcher would accommodate it. They'd find something. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I don't I don't see that as the likely scenario. Uh, Bill, they're going to return on Wednesday. They're going to take on Detroit. Then they're going to go to Detroit on Saturday. They have back-to-back road games against Detroit and Pittsburgh. Then the eight-game homestand. Four games to round out the month of February. Four games to start the month of March. Franchise high eight-game homestand. You know, it's all kind of leading up to this deadline of March 21st. What kind of, I mean, we're going to start to hear as soon as the league is back tonight that we're going to start to hear conversation, rumors, names out there and the jockeying for hand in negotiations and trade talks based on information that is leaked. I always say it, you know, when you get here information that's out there public, consider the motivation behind it because somebody's always got a motive. 
but when do you anticipate things really getting almost to that point of boiling over the pan and action starting to happen? Are you looking at late February here? You'll, you'll, yeah, you know, it, it starts with a trickle and then it, it picks up, right? It's always, yeah. it's always the last 10 days to two weeks that you start hearing stuff all the, you know, all the time. And, and let's not forget though, that in a lot of recent years, by the time you get to the actual deadline day, most of the big deals have been made, yeah. you know, the, a lot of recent trade deadline days have been, you know, oh, of course there's always moves made, but it's, it's not usually the, the, the big earth shattering moves, the biggest names, those guys tend to get moved ahead of the deadline. Gives them gives them a couple more games, their new team, et cetera. Teams want to just get it done and know what they have for the stretch drive. So, you know, I, I, I think that I think that once you get to about March 10th, it's really on. And uh, and then like I said when you get to and when you get when you get to that stretch, right, the final into the final week. That's when you, you know, that's when you actually see deals start going down and then, then up to the deadline and up to the deadline. You know, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I think for some of the other potential unrestricted free agents, the flyers have that might come down to the final day. Yeah. Guys like Derek Broussard or Derek Broussard or Arista Linen, if they, if they, if he, does, you know, if he doesn't sound interested in an extension, will be moved. It sounds like the preference is to try to resign him or at least get in, get an indication of an interest to resign. So, um, but yeah, guys like Brassard, I, I would expect Martin Jones or be interest from a team that's looking Braun. for more standing depth. Uh, Justin Braun would be a nice, you know, wouldn't be a headline grabbing move, but for a team that's looking for a little more veteran leadership, a penalty killing type, you know, a, a steady Eddie defenseman, solid citizen. I mean, he, he's a guy who they could absolutely find interest in. So, there, you know, I, I think there could be a number of moves for the Flyers between now and then. And there's also the possibility, and we talked about this before too, and you said a little bit with Colorado, you can be both a buyer and a seller, not a buyer for this year, but a buyer in terms of maybe adding a couple pieces you figure being part of the puzzle next season and beyond that. Yeah. And uh, and then otherwise you're, you know, you're moving some players out now. Yeah. A guy like Gerard, who I mentioned in that scenario, I mean, he's under contract. He's only 23 years of age. He's under contract through the 26, 27 season. Um, and Bill, uh, at the last game that we were at before the, uh, before the all-star break, as I looked over to my right in the press box, I see, I saw Tyson Forster sitting there. He looked good. What's the latest on the injury situation with him? Has he had a chance to return this year? Because if you're shipping a lot of bodies out, could he get his first NHL game? I don't see him in the NHL this year, just because mm-hmm. of how much time, just because of how much time he's missed. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I, but I mean, it'd be nice to see him. Get some games with the Phantoms at the very least. Heading into the offseason coming off having played. Yes, exactly. Get get some games in. You know, I think Wade Allison will return ahead of him. Now, it'd be really nice just to keep Wade Allison healthy for the rest of the season. Yeah. Once once he comes back, he's just uh, had so many injuries. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see Allison, you know, Allison play a little bit. Forrester, if he gets back, would be great. Um, he doesn't seem all that close yet and it's all you know so we'll i mean we'll, we'll see how that goes but uh i mean that, that that would be nice to get him some games um you know one thing that's uh one thing that's actually been encouraging lately is they are starting to get some of the the prospects back right like like uh Zade wisdom is, is back in the in the ontario league and you know some other some other guys who've been out uh seem to be getting healthy now so the 
you know, that that would be a that'd be a nice way to finish the season, right? And to see some guys who've been up here um and, and have shown some promise, have shown, you know, hints of ability or, or whatever whatever you want to say, you know, finish the season strong and take that in, into next season. Um, you know, whether that's a uh, an Isaac Ratcliffe, uh, I'd like to see Cam York finish strong. I'd like to see Morgan Frost build on that stretch of five games he had into the break. And his first game with the Phantoms was on which is on Friday night was really, really good. Um, not not so good on Saturday, but it was a back to back and whatever. But I mean I'd like to see those guys finish strong and, and position themselves to, you know, potentially compete for jobs next season and have a decent shot of winning spots. Uh, the more young guys you have on the team that are contributing, then that can help you. You know, so you don't have to you don't have to go and spend you, know, you don't have to spend more on free agents when you're kind of tight to the cap anyway. So you know, I, I think I think that those are things I'd like to see. And obviously, guys like Joel Farabee should be back and yeah. you know they'll finish up strong and healthy. Absolutely, and Wisdom had a nice uh, nice setup too. Shane Wright, of all people, yeah. about a week and a half ago. So yeah, there's a name that we'll probably hear more about. Um, last thing, Bill, uh, there was a, a report out that Danny Briere. Um, is going to be get a, I guess a new title is the way to put it. He's been an advisor to Chuck Fletcher and the management group for some time now. We know that he was a finalist for that Montreal Canadiens gig and that, you know, he's a guy whose stature as a, as a potential NHL GM and an executive in this league is rising very quickly. Now, Danny is not a guy that, uh, you know, is just going to rest on his laurels, you know, talking to Danny on Flyers Daily not that long ago. You know, I remember trying to book him, and I, he said, well, I, I can do 11.30. I can't do 11. I'm still going to be in class. And I said, class? He goes, yeah, I went back to school. I went, I enrolled at the uh, Wharton School of Finance at Penn to go back and just, you know, so I understand the business elements of it. I don't know many players that would do that. You know what I mean? Former players, millionaires, uh, that would go back to school to enhance their ability in their after-playing career. But Danny has done that. It's just the kind of guy that he is. Um, but he's a guy that this organization wants to keep here because he does have a skill set beyond what he the, the skill set he displayed on the ice for many years. Uh, for sure, and and you know Danny is as you said he's learning the business side, right? He's gotten ha- hands on uh, experience in some development, like he's worked he's worked one on one with Morgan Frost, you know, at times in camp, and you know, and and is accompanied. Uh, as a company scouts on, on trips, he's involved in the meetings. So he, he's learning, he's learning every, every, uh, every aspect hands on, on, on what a GM has to do. And coming from a playing background, a lot of guys who come from that background, as you said, they're not, you know, they're not as versed on the business side. And yes, every team has its assistant GM, the flyers have Barry Hanrahan, for example, who, who deals with the salary cap, who deals with, uh, CBA compliance. But he's not taking that for granted. He's learned, He's educating himself about those aspects as well. And yeah, I mean, Danny has done done a lot. I mean, he was even a you know he was even a, a temporary assistant coach of the Phantoms when they yeah. their assistants had COVID. He's done he's done a lot of different things. Um, he's worn every hat. Bill, when he first retired and he came back with the team to work for him, you know, under Sean Tilger at the time, he didn't even want to get into the hockey outside. He was just he was just observing business side. Right. And how the organ? I mean, he was in our radio meetings, our monthly radio meeting. It's uh, he's just learning. At, he's taking it all in, and I think that's smart. Yeah, and I mean, you know, yes, it was the ECH level, but as the general manager of the Maine Mariners, 
you know, is learning about day-to-day operations of a team because a lot of what a GM does, we all think about, you know, we think about the trades, we think about the contract mm-hmm. signings, but G- GMs wear a lot of hats. They oversee a lot of different areas. Um, and so it, it's all, I mean, I, I think, I think inevitably at some future point, Danny will be a GM in the NHL. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is basically putting a, putting a title to what he already does, but it, there's a, there's a level of prestige in it too, because it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just going here, there and everywhere at the behest of the general manager. Now there'll be, you know, now there'll be a, a formal job description, which will, which will entail again, mostly what he's already doing, but uh, you know, it, it'll have, we'll have a title that's involved. It'll have specific duties that he does. Uh, he'll continue to be involved in the meetings. You know, he'll, he'll give input in a lot of different areas um, the, the, that uh, Chuck Fletcher ultimately oversees. So even if Danny is not directly making the decisions, you know, and he, so like, for example, Brent Flair is still probably making the call on, on draft picks, especially after the first round. Brent basically runs the draft after the first round and oversees development. But Danny will be, Danny will still be involved in that side. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be anything and everything that ties into hockey ops and the general manager's job. Danny will have, Danny will have some kind of hand in that. And that, that's fantastic experience for him. Can only help him. And it's, you know, I mean, ultimately a, a good thing. The more collaborative you are, honestly, you know, the, the better it is. I mean, there is such a thing as too many fingers in the pie. But one, one thing we know about Danny is that he, he was, he is, and he always will be a team guy. So I don't, I don't see any kind of power struggle or anything like that because there's another, another, you know, assistant, special assistant to the GM, assistant GM, whatever, whatever, whatever title you want to call it. I, I think Danny, Danny's not striving to, you know, jump over anybody's head. It's, it's just to, just to learn and keep on training. Yeah, and he's just a good guy. I mean, ever since the first time I ever cracked a microphone in 1993, 29 years ago, if you can believe it, and been in the media as long as I have, I've never dealt with an athlete, a person, or celebrity, or anything that was as gracious to cover than Danny Breer. So yeah. since 93 till now, <laughs> those 29 years, I mean, he's just as good as they get. Easily. Just a, you know, just an unbelievably good guy. You know, Danny is, I, you know, people, people talk all the time in glowing terms about Danny Briere, but I mean, you know, I, it, it's for good reason. I mean, he's, he's one of my favorite people, not just one of my favorite hockey people, one of my favorite people, period. He's just, you know, and, and you know, he's hockey smart. He's a bright guy. He's personable. Competitive. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. And competitive too. And Danny, yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, especially, especially with Danny had some disadvantages coming to the NHL being as small as he was. Yeah. Especially when he came. Play. Yeah. 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 And, and, but, you know, boy, boy, did that guy compete, you know? Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, he, he wants to win and he'll do whatever, whatever he can do to help a team win, whatever, whatever role that is. So I, I, Danny has a bright future ahead of him, you know, um, who, who knows where life and your career takes you, but this is the step forward for him. Absolutely. Great stuff as always, Bill. Another edition of uh, Bill Meltzer's Monday Visit. We'll have another brand new episode tomorrow. We're getting closer to game day, which will be Wednesday when the Flyers return against the Detroit Red Wings. Everybody have a great Monday as best you can. I know it's Monday. It sucks, but it is what it is. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Day. Update.